and welcome to the film podcast, yet to be titled. Uh, we're here to talk about films that we've seen and hopefully rate them at the end of the show. We're currently in my living room. Uh, I'm joined today by Anthony McLaughlin. Hello, you got my name right. Great. And Aaron Whitcroft. Yeah. And my name is Johnny. So today we're going to be talking about Bird Box, but first let us just talk about ourselves a little bit so you know who we are. So, Anthony, what is your first film-going experience that you can remember? So one of the first films I remember, I mean, I think it stands out because I've told the story quite a few times, is how one of my favourite films growing up as a child was uh, my stepdad's film, uh, Die Hard. So I would watch this on VHS and I'd watch it and then rewind it and watch it and basically just I would I would find certain scenes that I thought was amazing and hilarious and I would play it back and he'd say some quirky funny line and then re- rewind it watch it again and obviously I didn't have much uh, parental supervision as a kid because I think I was probably about six when I was watching this <laughs> but yeah Die Hard was like big film for me growing up when I was a kid you walk around as a kid in a vest and oh totally so like just wearing it, it was specific the specific scene I remember I remember was when uh, John, what's he saying? John McClane, when he's when he's climbing through the air vents in the in the building, the first one, and he's like he's got his he's sweaty and he's got his vest on and he's crawling through the vents and he opens he keeps getting his lighter out so he can see and he says some like witty line and I just thought it was like, hilarious and loved it. That's set up about six year old. Yeah. Yippee ki yay. Yeah. Aaron, what was your uh, first film uh, experience that you can remember? Um, originally I was going to say the first film that I saw in the cinema was Free Willy but a more important I think film experience that I had growing up was um, when I first got Chicken Fox um, The Matrix had just come out um, and essentially what I would do is a similar sort of situation to you um, is um, I would finish it and then I would rewind the VHS back to the start again and I would watch it and i like genuinely did this for maybe a week. Do you remember with Matrix when that first came out, it was just as we were pushing DVDs. Do you remember that the, there's a trailer, like a little video at the start of the Matrix and there was a guy sat on his, sat on his, on his sofa and then the DVD would come on and he's like, there'd be like wind blasting and he'd be like, whoa, DVDs! <laughs> I, remember, I remember specifically that on the Matrix because I remember watching it with my dad. Um, it must have been what, 1999 or 1998 or something like that? I remember getting the Matrix DVD in a cardboard box. Yeah. <laughs> with, uh, because I hadn't really decided on how they were going to like sell it to yeah. people yet. Yeah, totally. And it got completely you know, crushed and torn and yeah, just a terrible format. It was a great, great film though, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Like great. I think it probably still holds up. Well, we'll find out. Yeah, we? we will. <laughs> we'll see where it ranks on our, our list of films. <laughs> Follow up. Should I talk about my favourite film? Yeah, you My should. first film going experience. Uh, okay, so I'd say... I think the first film I can remember seeing was Pocahontas uh, at cinema. Strong. Um, but the only thing I really remember from it was going with my nan and her saying it was ludicrous that the main character, or the, the main male character, was called John Smith. And she just <laughs> thought, like... Out of all the names they could have chosen, 
Like, obviously, it's based on a book, but John Smith is just, like, such a typical name to have. So, yeah, that, that was the only thing I could remember. Um, but, yeah, so I guess that puts us in good stead to talk about Bird Box. So, Anthony, are you able to just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, I'll read the synopsis of, uh, of Bird Box. In the wake of an unknown global terror, a mother must find the strength to flee with her children down the treacherous river in search of safety. Due to unseen deadly forces, the perilous journey must be made blindly. Uh, it's directed by Suzanne Beer. Bird Box is a thriller starring Sandra Bullock, John Malkovich and Sarah Paulson. Also, Chavante Rhodes as well. Also, just, just to say, our film podcast uh, will be, we'll be discussing these films in detail. So lots of plots, uh, storylines will be spoiled. So if you're if you're particularly worried about spoilers for this film, I'd say don't listen to this po- podcast until you've watched the film, and then what after you've watched it, come back to us and uh, listen to our discussion. We're basically writing off like a huge portion of people. Yeah, but I've got the figures of how many people have watched this film. It's quite a lot. Yeah, just listen. That's our market. You'll be alright. Uh, okay, so the setup for the film is that there is some sort of entity that's going around and it's making people kill themselves. Mm. It's it's quite an interesting way to create an enemy. Like, like, what do you think of that? Well, I think I I thought well straight away when I watched this film. Obviously, it has massive. You've got to compare it to the Quiet Place because it's got a very similar vibe. It's weird, isn't it? How certain films come out within a year of each other, and they've got like very similar, like like Armageddon and Deep Impact came out around the same time. There's a lot of those. It's weird how those that, that sort of happens uh, with movies. And I feel like this film is in the same vein as a Quiet Place, also the happening. Um, but but the, the idea of a, of a so again in in this film. The unseen monster is literally unseen. You can't see it. But if you do see it, you die. So the, 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 us as an audience, we never see the monster. We, I mean, I don't know what you guys thought about it personally, but I wasn't. I didn't think it was that intense or that scary to see a bunch of leaves blowing in the wind. I think the the monster or the being or whatever it is itself is not particularly scary but it's the effect of what it does to people which creates the terror so um seeing something that makes you want to kill yourself is obviously you know just something that's just not human really uh so that sort of struck a bit of a chord with me um there are a few moments in the film which are sort of i'd say fairly big um hints as to what the people are seeing yeah um I mean, straight away when we get so after the intro, uh, after the intro of the film, we get to the house where all the survivors are held up. Um, Sandra Bullock arrives there, and one of the characters, pretty much within the first thirty seconds of, the, of getting into the house, basically tries to explain what the monsters are because he's he did he's doing research for a film or a book. I think was it a book? Yeah, he's doing research for a book, and he he goes into detail about what they are, which. I thought sort of ruined the sort of, the sort of mystery of it a little bit. I mean, obviously, I'm not an expert in in demonic presences or like the Cthulhu monster like universe or whatever. But I thought like it, it, 
he did straight away basically explain what the monsters were. Um, and then later on, obviously, you see some hints about what they might look like with the with one of the followers who who's who's a, a fanatic of or, or a I think basically he's a follower of the monsters. I mean, so do you want to explain? Just obviously, we we know because we watched it, but do we just want to go through what happens when you see the monster and that sort of thing. What 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 effects they have on, on well, the people? That's this is the thing is what you guys were talking about before. Like it's not necessarily for me. Like the first thing you see is a lady smacking her head off a window pane multiple times to try and kill herself, and. And then the next death that you see is um, her sister stepping out in front of the car. Yeah. Then the one after that is the lady bur- climbing into a burning Yeah, John car. Markovich's wife. Yeah. Um, and you've got to think that, like, even though you were saying about how it wasn't that good, that is insanely impactful for an audience to see mm. mass suicide. Mm. Like, that's a, for me, that's it, a big well, deal. Did, did it affect you quite a lot then? And you watch that? Well, I was... Because I've when I watched it through for the second time, like, the first time I watched it, I just, like, watched it. And then There's quite a lot going on, I think, at the start, isn't loads, it? So it's sort of hard to take it in. Loads. Loads going on. And you just think, what a way to introduce a bad guy mm. is a lady smacking her head off the side of a window pane to her death. Mm. Like, that's that's quite big. Yeah, I guess, I like, the, the, the first three deaths, they're, they're, they're all that we know anything about they're all women and it's against sort of like a motherly love or like a, a, maybe a, uh, it's uncharacteristic for a female to uh, sort of commit suicide so seeing that is you know really impactful yeah and some of the things that they say when they see oh yeah that was the, interesting. the presence yeah. like one of them says mum then she goes into a burning car um, I would love to have, yeah I would love to read the book as well to find a bit more about this because I'd be interested in knowing more about what they saw because yeah at some points I thought they almost looked like when they when they looked at the monster they had sometimes it was they were they were scared and they were horrified but other times they almost thought like were at peace almost and then just mm. decided to kill themselves so I'd, I'd be curious about more about what what they saw I guess that that's that's one of the mysteries we want to know about the while watching the film I kind of think some people like see like a sight of a heaven and because it seems so close and whatever they see is luring them into it they just want to be where that thing is and they are rushing to kill themselves but what's interesting is later on in the film when Sandra Bullock is walking through the forest the entity is following her and it's speaking to her and she can hear it hear the entity in, in her head and she's hearing Tom's voice who one of the characters that she she has a relationship with and she's hearing um i think a sister's voice so i wonder if when when that woman heard, said mother or mum i wonder if that was the monster sort of t- trying to lure her in and do something because she's it, the monster's in her head mm. telling her stuff that, that that's sort of how i guess how i saw it yeah the monster is almost like what's that thing the mirror in harry potter where they see oh, like yeah. their their worst fears and they have to try and make it into something that's comical. Oh, you know, you're thinking of, uh, not the mirror, you're thinking of the monster, a baggot. That's the one, yeah. yeah. So uh, it's usually they're in wardrobes or whatever, and they come out, and then, like like for uh, Professor Lupin in Harry Potter, it's the moon because he's a werewolf. Or whatever. So it's like, it must, it's like, an, it's like a, an enemy that is different for every person. Mm. Um, 
so yeah, so obviously we can't look at these creatures or beings or whatever it is. Yeah. So what do we do? We go blindfold. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's kind of hard actually in, in the movies for them to do a good job of reflecting what it's like to be blindfolded. I mean, I imagine in, a, in the book it's probably a lot more intense because can, you can do whole uh, chapters or whole like, uh, parts of the book where it's just the senses of what the, the person who who who's taught who's discuss, you know discussing what what happened to them in the book. Whereas in on the film, you're watching some people sort of not comically but kind of comically like look, like walking around sort of trying to feel their way around places and it and it felt a bit awkward for a film to sort of. Whereas with a, the thing I like about the Quiet Place and I know I'm going to bring this up quite a lot, the Quiet Place, but I think that works that works as a, a film much better because the it's more it's much more of a cinematic. Um, idea to have everything be really crispy for especially for a horror film everything be really quiet and then when you get the massive noise and they have to be quiet and it's like you're on edge the whole time and then they get the massive amounts of noise and and action it's like terrifying whereas because they're not going to to me anyway because we know we're not going to see the monster to me it didn't feel that scary trying not to look at things it, it it didn't it didn't make me feel tense really so yeah, I, I mean, I think it, that that's probably my main problem with the film is probably that I think at its core, I think it's a bit. I think the the being blind and then not being able to see anything doesn't really work that well for a, as a film, in my, in my opinion. Uh, I actually got an interesting um, story that the, uh, the 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 so this film was based on a book. Uh, the, the author of the book was named uh, Josh. His name Josh Mailerman. Anyway, he, he at one point he was um, he, he he does quite like the film actually. He said in interviews he's, he's really happy with how it came out and stuff. So you know he's, he's perfectly happy. Um, but he tells a funny story about early on in the film's production. The producers came to him and said, "Oh, how would you film the story? Like how how would you make this film?" And he said, "He get well. He gave a fifty. He said he gave a fifteen minute monologue about how I'd like to have, to have at least half of the movie in complete darkness." And at the end of what I thought was a riveting pitch, they asked, so you're saying we show nothing at all? Which obviously wouldn't work for the film. But I think that this film lacked some sort of interesting, intense sort of claustrophobic feeling. Like, I feel like if you can't see anything, like what they're experiencing as they're like reaching out into... Uh, when they're like exploring, looking for like food and stuff, and or like w- walking through the forest or whatever, and they're completely blindfolded. Also, as the viewers, I don't think we really feel that because we can see what they're doing. So that that's my main problem with the with the, with the film. I think I think it probably m- would work much better as a book. But. In some ways, I agree <clears throat> with what you're saying, but like personally, I think you know when the shots where you saw the blindfold, you saw them for a few seconds. Didn't you? Yeah, and then the shots when she's. She's going out and she's looking for food and she's trying to find things. My biggest problem was they spent so long in the house and the build-up to mm. to getting to the river that they didn't spend a lot of time. And I don't think it was enough time yes. to to explore being blindfolded, trying to learn. You know, you see that intro sequence, which was excellent, in my opinion, where she's counting her steps, she's checking that she's got everything, She's um, she. You, you see her fall over, you see her struggle to put the kids into the boat. This is this right at the start of the film? Yeah, this is right at the start of the film. So, and so right at the start of the film, just so you know, the way, the way the structure of the film worked was, 
obviously you've seen this, so I'm, I don't want to tell you again, but uh, they open the film up with uh, a, a part of the film where they're going, they're escaping uh, this force and they're getting, in, they're getting in a boat to go down the river and then to make their journey toward, towards this sanctuary. After And then after that, after like five minutes, I think it is, it cuts back five years previous yeah. and sets up basically how the apocalypse happened. And it, it just, if they'd have just spent more, because if you total it up, two thirds of the film are spent in the past or inside this house yeah, or this, this uh, place uh, where they're safe basically yeah a safe haven yeah I agree. and not enough time was spent dealing with the fact that they're blind we go the film would have been better if for me if it's more about the blind more about being do you want to finish that off then do you want to just talk about that and then we'll i mean even put it in i just like let's just go into the structure part um the structure of the film is spent the intro of the film is um, where the family get on the boat and go down the river. Then it moves to being in the house and sets up the premise of the rule for the film. Then it quickly moves back to the river and shows them sleeping and obviously roughing it um, whilst being on a river and rolling down and not being able to see where they go. It's like a five-year gap in between the, 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 the when you're when they're on the river, which is in the present time and when the outbreak happens which is about five years ago so we have this back and forth in and between also, the two time you're periods. trying to figure out what's interesting as well is in the first scene of the film you see her with two children and then you assume that she's the mother but then they do the flashback and she goes to the hospital and she's pregnant but she only has one baby so you're thinking straight away oh i wonder how what's happened there obviously she must she somehow has got another baby so what well, how's how's that happened? So that that's another part of the structure, which sort of, of the film, which sort of it sort of keep, keeps you enticed into how the story is going to unfold. Through going back five years ago and then to the present time, it un- unlocks little bits of the story, which like through sort of going back through time, you 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 find out a bit more about as the story goes on, um, which is an interesting way of um, uh, doing the the film. I think that's maybe in relation to the book as to how that's written, as to how the film's portrayed. So basically it's done in a similar way. So I've read the Game of Thrones book and all it does is not there's not really a timeline for each character. But the way I think it's set out and the way I think the film Bird Box is trying to do it is basically it's getting to a certain point where the chapter ends in maybe a, a suspenseful moment. And, or, or maybe something finishes and it moves to the next part. And for me, that works as a book, but as a film, it made it quite disjointed in a way because all I wanted to do was spend more time with them being blindfolded. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I think when we had, the, we had the start of the film, it opened up and it was quite intense and you're like, it's an interesting... Um, it's an interesting image of, of, of a woman blindfolded with her two children, both blindfolded, going down the river on a boat. It cuts back to the, the flashback and it, show, it sets up the story, which I was like, oh, great, okay, this is explaining what the rules are. I'm going to figure out what's going on in the future as well, what's happening in the past, which is all good. But then when we got to the house and I saw John Malkovich, I thought, oh, okay, well, this is probably going to be a, quite a big part of the film because John Malkovich just doesn't turn up in a film 
unless he's like a part of the film in quite a big way. I also thought, but it's the problem of casting big actors is you see them in a film and you go, oh, it's John Malkovich, and it sort of takes you out of the film a little bit. And I don't think he, I don't think he had a mass. I mean, you, I guess he did have a, quite a big part in the film, but I feel like it could have been someone else and it would have been fine. I don't think John Malkovich really brought that much to the to the film. Mm. I thought like between the two time periods, like they had really different feels. So when when the film um, starts and on the river, it's much more of like a road kind of feel, or like uh, The Last of Us. If we're going to video games, I feel like it's much more eerie place where there's that heightened tension. But where we're back in the house, it's more like a I don't know, like a post-apocalyptic kind of gang film where it's a group of people in a house trying to survive, almost like uh, Dawn of the Dead or Left for Dead or something similar to that, where there isn't that much tension. We're kind of just figuring out what's going on. There's guns, there's a bit of action and stuff. Can I just and ask, did, did you think, back in the house, did you think... Um... The comedian. I thought like when we were back to the house, there's quite a bit of comedy in there as well. I thought they're trying to mix in comedy in with the characters, and for me, again, that didn't to me didn't really work. Like it felt like it was a different film. I think one of the characters was a guy that was in the Get Out or was in Get Out, and he was it was like the um, sort of comedy relief of the of the film a little bit, and to me, it just the the two the the two like feelings of the of the bit the part in the boat in the present timeline and the, the, the back uh, in the past in the house they just felt like the different feels and like you're saying and i think the comedic element just didn't really work for me either with that, with that yeah part. i think when you're talking about like suicide and stuff like that when you had like an odd jibe and joke here and there it kind of just doesn't totally feel right really just to have yeah. that going on one second and then for just like some like funny little sleaze joke to come out in another one. Um, it just, I don't know, really kind of just jolted me a bit. For me, the house setup was more about um, Sandra Bullock's character exploring the different themes, I guess, that are going to come up in the film. So when you meet her in the past for the first time, she is painting this picture and Sandra Bullock's sister says something about the picture, makes a comment about, oh, they look um, lonely. And Sandra Bullock says, oh, no, it's about people's inability to connect with other people. And at the start, in the house, Sandra Bullock's character, instead of dealing with all these people, she actually leaves the room mm-hmm. and just is trying to deal with this situation on her own. And for me, the house is about her as a character connecting with other human beings because by the end of it this whole high sequence she is able to communicate with other people quite friendly she's very approachable she isn't the same lady she was when she went into the house yeah i think on that point she the film is making a point of that she doesn't seem to like people she her sister at the start of the film says she's quite lonely again like she's on her own all the time. I think she even says, I, I'm the person who brings you food, otherwise you wouldn't have any food in the house so you don't leave the house. She does. But what's what I think the, the film struggles to do is is that the, the characters they use in that in that scenario in the house are just 
for me anyway, I found them written quite an, in an annoying way. They were all kind of annoying. I didn't really like any of them. Like, and as a film, you've got to, you've got to like the characters. There's a couple of characters I liked, but most of them they were written in a way that would annoy Sandra Bullock. I think. I think that's part of the the you, you see her being annoyed with the the woman who's the other pregnant lady, and there's a few other scenarios that happens like that. And I, I think it's to illustrate the point that she's a, a prickly character, and then she's like slowly warming up to them. And I think she, like, you know, she gives a teddy bear to the to the to the woman at the, towards the end to say, "I've got you this," you know, to to make you feel better about your your, your new your newborn baby. It's, it's coming soon, and I think that's good. But I think the problem I had with it was just the characters were quite annoying. And I, that, as I, as I'm, as I'm watching this film, I want to I want to enjoy the characters, and I found them that that was an issue for me. I think. Yeah, I don't think when when we first get into the house, all the characters are all really just like I don't know, just really just don't like them. There's there's not one of those characters who are in the house that I really took a liking mm. to. Maybe the the love interest um, uh, was you know one of the more understandable, relatable characters, but you know even the ones that were trying to be funny were just I don't know. They just seemed ill placed, and again, it just kind of—they all kind of portrayed a particular stereotype or character, which, oh, yeah. you know, you're you're all in this house, you're—it's the apocalypse, and you've got somebody from every, every race, gender, someone's pregnant. Uh, you've got a police officer, you've got an architect, um, you've got an angry neighbour. It just seems like the general hot part of you know, mishmash people all put into a situation to make something interesting happen. But I really don't think that needed to happen uh, in the film. You could have had some more like-minded people who actually um, wanted to try and survive a bit better than the people in that um, house did. Did you notice as well, at the, right at the start, there was two characters in the, in the, in the house there was a a married couple, I think, were mm-hmm. a blonde lady and a and a guy with a bit of a uh, grey hair and a bit of a beard. And right at the start, they were like they were in there for a few minutes, and then they decided they're gonna go. They were gonna leave the house to find their, I think it was their mother or children. some children, find the children. And later on, there's a little, uh, there's a little Easter egg here. Later on, when they're in the car and they're going to the supermarket, so in, when in the car for the scene in the car, they black out all the windows. They drive over oh. two dead bodies. Oh. And those two dead bodies, if you look at them, they are the same people. Did not notice. Yeah, it's kind Did of Did not notice. Oh, man. That's so good. So obviously they didn't make it very far. Yeah. Um, so that's actually... So um, the people in the house, yeah, they are very, like, I'd say, like, your generic, you know, all walks of life people. But later on, and this is this is where I actually think the film takes a turn, is they introduce, I, I'm going to call them creepers. We meet one in when they go to the supermarket and one of their friends has been taken over and you lose the nerdy guy who basically alludes to where the um, entity comes from. But then you meet Gary. And Gary is awesome. But also breaks the rules and this is where I really struggle with films like this. And, 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 and A Quiet Place, A Quiet Place does it too. And it, it really gets to me whenever they, these worlds, these, these films or whatever, these stories, um, they create this rule and then they constantly break it. And it's like, 
the rule begins to lose its effect the more that you break it. So the rule of not being able to, you know, being able to see um, this entity and then uh, and then you either killing yourself or, or you wanting to tell other people about it. But, but do you know why they set, why they did that? Did you get why they were like that? Why they did, why they didn't go insane? Why they didn't kill themselves and commit suicide? Did you understand? They did set up a. They did like add on a, an addendum to the rules of why they did that. Did you catch that or did you miss that? Well, maybe I missed it. Oh, okay. So when they go to the supermarket and you introduce to, I think it's is it Gary? I can't remember. It's, it's the guy. No, Charlie in the um, in the freezer, and the guy, the comedic guy, uh, the geeky guy. He says, oh, because he, he works in the supermarket. He said, oh, that's, it's, it's Charlie. Are you all right, Charlie? Uh, and then, and then the, the, ask, the other characters ask him, oh, who's Charlie? And he says, oh, he's the guy who works in the back. He's a bit weird, you know, a bit odd sometimes, but he's all right. And then also, um, I can't remember which point. I think it's, yeah, it's it's, it's Gary. Is it the, 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 the British guy? Is that? Um, it's, yeah, so it's Gary, yeah. but no, that's that's not what I'm talking about. So Gary talks about how he was in the, yes. he worked in the insane asylum. All the people in the insane asylum saw the entity yes. and were completely fine. Yeah, right? that's it. Yeah. And that, that is fine. That is fine. But it's the fact that you your eyes change oh. when you see it. And basically, spoiler, yes. later on, Gary turns out to be a crazy person mm-hmm. and basically try to get everyone to um, look at the entity. That, 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 the rule is the eyes you're talking about. Yeah, and he's not... He, he, he plays this like, oh, this is what happens and this is how it is. And they break the rule again later on, but I'll get to that. But essentially, like it's like, okay, you either... Either, I mean, for that scene to work and for Gary to be as awesome as he is, because it's great, it, it needs to, like Gary needs to do what he needs to do. I, I, I think that basically these people are criminally insane, and I think I, I quite like them breaking the rule because the theory in my mind is that if a normal sane person who isn't insane um, sees a vision of heaven or something where they need to kill themselves someone who's criminally insane is seeing the world around them and that is their heaven to cause damage and misery and kill people and do all of that so i think the demon or the entity uses that in a way to um you know to increase uh the damage that it does to the world Because like I remember, there's one um, uh, part where there's a creeper who gets into the house. One of the things he says, he whispers it, is um, it's against the world. That's 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 what it says. Cause as if it's as if this creeper's had a conversation with the entity, whatever it is. Um, so I think that there's. Um, yeah, I, I quite like that breaking of the rule because it does add an extra bit of tension. It adds some um, extra caution uh, to the film when the characters are out and about. Did any of you guys suspect anything with Gary when he first got when he first was introduced? Absolutely, absolutely, he was a bad guy from his British. Because he's British. Absolutely. Why are the British always the bad guys? That's, that's not even a, like it's like. He's so foreign from who else he ever seen, and also it was stagnant. It needed to change. Mm. But then you have this like when the two 
mums are giving birth. Yeah, this amazing moment where Gary's like listening to classical music and he's drawing all these things and then he the you know, reveals that like he's actually one of these bad creepers and essentially wants to he basically starts breaking windows and showing people um the entity and like everyone dies except for Sandra Bullock and the two children. Um and Tom, sorry, I apologise. Tom survives. And that moves the film along to the next bit. The one thing I don't get though is if like if he has just escaped from an insane asylum where he's wearing like a blue two-piece suit, like yeah. where's that come from? Is yeah. he like raided someone's house and yeah. been like, that's going to fit, well, maybe, that's going to look classy maybe, in the apocalypse? Maybe he wasn't actually an insane asylum, maybe he just is insane. And that, and, oh, that's true. And, or maybe, yeah, so so his story of insane asylum could have been made up completely because he's he's working for the, for the demon or whatever, the bad guy. But because is, is he the guy who says that it's the criminally insane. Yeah. yeah, he's the one. He's the one that says it. He sets up his like backstory is essentially that he's escaped all those criminally insane people mm. and he was just trying to get away from them. And that's why they're there. But it's also like, again, I don't know how it works, but like, you know, when he smashes the window and essentially like the old lady looks like and then she sees it and then she goes to kill herself. And it's like, can the ent- does the entity fly? Does it do this? This is my question. Is well, that's one of the things that I was with with the enemy with the entity. I didn't really understand. Like, okay, you couldn't get in the house, but why? Why couldn't you get in the house? It must yeah. have some sort of mass, so it can't like go through a keyhole, but it can like get into a garage. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe you're thinking about yeah. it too much. <laughs> maybe but, it's yeah. like it must have. It must be like some physical like form, but. It can't open a door. Yeah, it it's like, yeah. It's like it's a dark. It can't suppose, get up the stairs. It's like you know. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, I guess it's it, crippled by they need newspaper. Some, they need some limits, don't they? I guess to make the film interesting. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It didn't. That didn't bother me too much, but it was a bit like uh, so when she was walking in the forest and it was following around. I, I, I swear, I sort of didn't have that much. I wasn't that, that on edge that much because I knew the, the the monster can't really do anything apart from try to get you to. To take the blindfold off, that's the only thing it can do. So, yeah, I thought I thought it was a bit um, a bit lackluster that that the monster couldn't really damage you or hurt you. Before we move on, the, the second breaking of the rule. This is the the first one. Okay, I think you've both of you have convinced me that it wasn't really breaking the rule. But when Tom dies, right, and he shoots, he sees he basically he sees the the entity, right, and then he like somehow like goes against his will and shoots this dude and then, like, blows his head off. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. Wait, no, you are not... Because love doesn't beat all, all right? No, we saw it in the beginning, though, when her sister ran uh, to the bus, where the bus went to knock her down. She looks at uh, Sandra Bullock's character as if to say, like, goodbye. Or I don't know if she waves Mm -hmm. or if it's just a look. Yeah, it's a look. But it's like there is... It's almost like a longing... I'm leaving you behind. See that? But I'm going to that. I'm going to a place that I want to go to. That's interesting because I didn't really think about the that breaking of the rule. Really, I just was. I was actually quite wrapped up in the moment, and I thought, "Oh, this is this is a pretty good scene." It's like because he only has a split second to do it, and he manages to do it, and then he obviously still commits suicide. But I thought that was quite a, quite an impactful scene for me. I think the the biggest thing that we need to talk about, the biggest thing about the film is like Sandra Bullock's character and her um, progression to being a mum. Mm. 
because that is for me that is the theme of the film that mm-hmm. is like the whole the whole from start to finish is her is her um progression to being this mother to finding that you know she calls the kids boy and girl um and then at the end of the film she names them we'll talk about that later because i've got gripes about oh, yeah. that but um it's pretty it's good it does a good job of her of her getting to from point a to point b my biggest issue is that again what Ant's talked about about a, a, um, a quiet place is that essentially it's an it's quite similar it's about fatherhood and the the big we'll call it the pinnacles of both films the pinnacle for um the main character saying that he's a dad and, and he he sort of has this moment with his kids is incredible and has such an impact whereas the 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 scene where he she Sandra Bullock like names gives the kids their names and 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 has all of that. Actually, I, I think the the crescendo of her of her becoming a mother, I think, was the scene on the boat as they go in the river. You're right. Going You're right. towards the rapids. You're right. Now in You're right. in the film, talking about the differences in the books, we'll get that into later. But in the film, she basically it, they do a scene before this where she's saying one of his one of her kids. If a boy or girl, because they don't have names at this point, if one of them has got to look, because otherwise they won't be able to uh, see na- through the rapids, na- nav- navigate the rapids. Yeah. So uh, later on, they, they they put that as a scene, and they go back to the flashback, and they go back again to this scene, which builds tension again. And then you, then she basically decides, actually, I can't. Well, actually, first of all, I thought she was going to pick the son, <laughs> yeah, because. I know. Because it's her actual son, and, yeah. and it's not, and the daughter, and she, she had this thing with. There was a scene earlier on with Tom telling a story to the kids, yeah, and yeah. then the, she says something to the. She says, "Oh, it's time for bedtime. You've got to fin- you can't finish the story," and the daughter gives this look like, "I, I, I'm not listening to you. I, I don't like you," yeah. and it seems like from that, that's inferring that maybe she doesn't have a great relationship with the kid, with that, with that, with the daughter, with mm-hmm. the girl, maybe because of because it's not actually hers. Um, but when they're in the scene on the uh, on the boat in the river, and she has to pick between one of them, I thought she was going to go with the boy, and then she changes her mind and says, "Actually, no, we're not going to look. We're just going to hope." I guess that's so what... good, though. However, in the book, so the way it works in the book is it's a little bit different. Um, so towards the end of the, of the film, uh, in the birth scene, the, both women are giving birth. And then obviously Gary causes causes chaos, um, and he opens all the windows. And in the, in the film, at the end, it's Sandra Bullock. Uh, her character survives with the two babies, and then Tom comes in at the end and rescues them. Uh, rescues them both and kills Gary. In the book, what happens is Tom gets killed there, and I think Gary either leaves or gets killed. I can't, I can't remember what I read. Um, and basically, at, the, at that point in the book. Sandra Bullock is on her own with two kids, right? And then, and then at that point, like within that, I think it's within the same day or whatever, she then hears off this Rick character from the the sanctuary that there's this place that she can get to, and that's why he says you can't get there with kids. So that whole the whole part of that book, and again, I haven't read the book, so that, that's a, just to preface that. But apparently, what the story is is she is training the kids. To be her, her like ears on the boat, so she can use them to figure out how close they are to the size of the of the, of the water, size of the um, of the river, and they can navigate this river. 
and that the whole part of that book is building up to this river, um, this river uh, traversal. I feel we just don't get that sense of because it because the film chops between the uh, five years ago and the and the present. We just don't get that sense of like build up in character development, like the Sandra Bullock character. Basically, what the film's trying to do is make us uh, think that she's gone from a selfish person to a caring family person. But because we're just getting little snippets of that every every other five minutes throughout the film, you don't really feel that as somebody watching it. It's just something that you know the film's trying to portray, but you don't feel it from the inside. Yeah, I think talking about that scene again on the on the river, as they're going down the river, and she has to pick between the two kids. In the book, she doesn't pick a kid. She, she decides to sacrifice herself and look, which I think is a much better um, story arc for her character as a mother. She gives up her, she sacrifices herself for her kids. I understand logically in the, in the film, they might decide, well, actually, if she would have looked, she'd probably end up killing herself. So then the kids would be on their own. But I still think as a, as a story beat and as like a progression of her character, the way the book did it is probably better. And in the book, I've. Well, from uh, another podcast I listened to, uh, listening to the director talk about the film, she said that uh, the book describes uh, Sandra Bullock's character having to uh, destroy the eyes of one of the children. And uh, the director, you know, sort of thought long and hard, is like, is this something that I can really do, a mother to try and dig out her children or... Um, kids that she's looking after his eyes to progress the film it's just such a hard thing to betray because is, is that what actually happened in the book then uh yeah yeah oh wow yeah yeah because yeah. the the sanctuary at the end isn't for blind people it's for people that have guided out their eyes or burned them isn't it that's that's, that's the end that's yeah the... i remember hearing that a lot of the people there when they went to the blind the blind yeah. sanctuary they ended up getting rid of their eyes one of my colleagues at work, he he's read the book before reading the film, and he said that's that's how it was. Mm-hmm. But I think in the same vein, like you know, the the scene where Sandra Bullock's obviously having the final battle with the 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 entities, and the kids are too. Like there was no way on this planet they were going to show. Like that's why I was so not in the film. It's like they are not going to show a kid killing themselves. It's just never going to happen. Like. Unless you're, like, breaking bad, like, who you built this thing up for something big and dramatic to happen, there is no way it was going to happen. To be honest, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even... I th- I didn't even it didn't even enter my mind that that, that might be a possibility. I mm. guess if I would have thought about that, if, if I would have considered it, it maybe would have made the, that scene even more tense. I thought, I thought it worked well, actually, as a scene, that forest scene, but I didn't even consider that as an option. Yeah, I think when you get the calibre of, like, Sandra Bullock, like, A-list celeb signing up to a film. She's not going to be in a film where a kid's going to commit suicide. <laughs> it's just, it's not going to happen. No. Like, her agent is going to be like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Do something else. Do do something that's nice. Yeah. And, like, what, what rating is this? Is this a 15, 18? 15. It's a 15. I think it's been made for a particular market. It was released yeah. just before Christmas. Um... And you know it was viewed forty five million times in the first week. Yeah, well, well, on forty five million accounts on Netflix. So I think if they were to go down the more gritty, almost like 
torturous route that um, it could have gone down if it stuck to the book. It just wouldn't have got anywhere near that amount of, of um, views. So there's two two things that I want to talk about too. So first of all, how this thing... Sorry, can I, sorry, can I yeah, just... Go I want to go off watch. I just yeah, yeah, right. yeah, that's better. That's better. So do you think if they would have gone down the route of the book, would it, have, it probably wouldn't have sold as much, or I guess it wouldn't have been viewed as much. Do you think it would have been a better film? I, I think so, because I think the... Um, I think the story, to get to that point, you would have cut out all the house stuff at the beginning, which is it's just another film, really. There's totally. two films yeah, going on here. And it's just not very clear. Unless we were going to do a three-hour like biopic of like a whole transition of character from house, uh, from being selfish to being a mother. Like I just don't think you're really going to get that story arc. So I think you know it. It may have made a better film, but I just don't think that film would have been made. Mm. Um, it would be like a yeah. I don't know for the likes of. Maybe like a Lars von Trier or just some like really niche art house film that is just not going to get the the critical acclaim or Netflix backing on it. But I just think because that leads me to my point is I just think the idea obviously you didn't need to touch the kids' eyes, but the idea that they got to a place a sanctuary where people have like like sewn their eyes shut or burned them is a much more plausible idea than this entity forgot by blind people. Hmm. You know, it's come back to cull the human race and it forgot about this huge percentage of the world. It's crazy. Yeah, but the, how how is being blind going to save you from the, the creepers? That's the thing. If you've got eyes, you're going to be able to fight them off a lot easier and you've got to check with their eyes, mm. like making sure they're, they're not, they've not gone, uh, they've not become a creeper. Like, to me, I, I understand it's an interesting idea that they blind themselves. But I think I think I'm probably getting into this a bit too much. But I think practically, it's just it's a, it wouldn't work. I, I would rather keep my eyes and just make sure I close them when I go outside. That's just me. Hey, um, mm. but if someone's like forcing you to, if it, if you did come up against a creeper, maybe a creeper would leave you alone if it knew that it it couldn't um, like open your yeah, eyes. Yeah, I agree. I maybe agree. it's like the um, well. I mean, yeah, yeah. But I mean, John, John Malkovich gets killed by a creeper, but not. Not, not by the monster. I thought it was quite interesting actually how when the creeper was killing him with the, with the scissors or whatever it was, or the knife, he was like, oh, I'm really sorry that you haven't got to see the beautiful oh, yeah. sea. It was, that was quite yeah, interesting. Right. But I actually wasn't expecting him to die there because I thought John Malkovich is such a big character. I thought he was going to be, I thought he was... He was going to carry him yeah. to the end. You love you, John Malkovich. <laughs> well, what, one of the reasons why is I thought that is because I'd heard on a podcast before I watched the film that um, some of the actors are talking about when they shot the film how weird John Malkovich was how he's a bit of an odd guy and apparently how he could actually like talk to the birds and like, get them to move their legs or, or move positions to, to different positions and they, they, the birds would actually do that and they thought it was really weird so, so I thought because going into it the name of Bird Box the film to, to name the film Bird Box I thought the birds were going to be a massive part of it I don't think we've mentioned them once yet well they yeah, but they kind of are in a sense that like it's bird in a cage, kind of bird in a box. Yeah, I get, I get that. They're as in a, the as house, theme, aren't they? I get that. And yeah. then the birds like freak out whenever that's like that's the sign, that's the alarm. But it only uh, happens like once, I think. I yeah. think it maybe happens once or twice in the entire yeah. film. 
to me that I think maybe it's probably it's probably a, a problem with them making a film about it based on the book. I imagine in the book it probably played a lot more into it. In the film, they, didn't, they used it like the once or twice, yeah. and then there was a bit at the end where there was a birds. It's like okay, like yeah, yeah. right. Mm. So the birds are like the call. Like again, we'll, we'll talk about. It. So let's talk about the sanctuary, right? Okay, they have this really nice moment where they name the children. And then she just, like, lets them go with some stranger. Yeah, I know that she was the doctor at the start. But you do not go through that experience of, like, keeping your kids close to you and then go, here's your names, see you later. It's just not, like, it's not normal. I, I, I really, that, that bit, the, the actual, the ending to the film where they're going down the river and then she escaped and she, she's walking through the forest and all that, that all worked great for me. I, I, I could, I, I could say before, I could have done with a lot more of that. However... The bit where they got to the sanctuary, that was probably one of the worst parts of the film to me because Absolutely. it made not much sense. Like, the, just, the, just the way it was shot. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the end of Lord of the Rings where the, he wakes up <laughs> in the bed and the lights are glowing and everyone's happy and then the elves come in to rescue them to the east and it's just like, it just felt re- really weird. Like, also, the fact that the Doctor shows up at the end. Yeah. Like, did you recognise who that was? Yeah, straight away. Yeah, so I, she's in, like, a bunch of stuff. She's in Bendit Like Beckham and yeah. ER. When I saw her at the start of the film, I thought, oh, that's weird. She's quite a recognisable actress. I wonder why she's in it. Again, when you when you recognise actresses and actors, it sort of takes back the film a little bit. But I thought, oh, I wonder, she must be a part of the film. And then she was, but right at the end, and I was like, oh, it's her again. I just thought that was really a little bit odd. I don't know why they did that. The only the only thing I could think of, like why why she was there, was she was she blind? Was she a blind character? I thought she might have been at one point. But I don't like, think she was because she did a baby scan, like she was <laughs> blind. But like, yeah, you know, yeah, that'd be why, pretty hard. Why just chuck a random character who's in it at the start for like a moment? And that moment, like the moment when she's having the baby scan, right? Let's bring it back all the way back to the start when she's having the baby scan. The person's doing the baby scan and she's talking with her sister about bloody horses. Yeah, yeah. I just what? like, instead of like looking at your baby on the monitor, she's like chatting about stables and stuff. That's part of the, that's part of the trying to um, introduce you to the character. It's obvious at the start of the film. She's not very interested. She doesn't, she doesn't seem like she's interested in having kids. She looks at the pamphlet for adoption. She, she doesn't want to talk. She doctors telling her, well, these are going to happen. This, you're going you're gonna to give birth eventually. And she she's not interested, but I guess that's part of the setup of the character. It did feel that to me. Again, I'm going, I don't want to go too much into this again because we'll talk about it later. But to me, that whole starting bit and the, the banter between the Doctor and the other characters didn't really work for me that well. But maybe the Doctor is like the person who sees the arc. She, the Doctor is the only person who sees this person's gone from being quite selfish and maybe not wanting to kids. But she's actually turned out to be like quite a good woman in the end, and she's the only person who gets it. She's no. the only person who sees that whole arc. <laughs> Can I just say she's not the only person who sees that arc? We're the bloody we're watching the film. We see the no, arc. but we get so distracted. There's so much other stuff going on. There's so many different things I, I, coming. I out guess I guess with this film, it really is hammering you over the head with certain themes, and yeah. that that part of it probably is a massive hammer over the head. Hey, by the way, she's a nice mother now, and she just named her kids. I, but I mean, to, to, on the naming part, you're talking about before, Aaron. You were saying about how it was, it was sort of a nice moment that she named the kids, and that was like supposed to be the part of her becoming a mother. It, again, it is interesting how 
obviously she didn't name the kids because she didn't want to get attached to them. I don't think that she even called herself mother or she said that she, she was their mum at any point. She was, because yeah. they, they always called her, um, is it Melania? What, I can't remember. Melanie. Melanie. Is it Melanie? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I thought that was, that was, I guess, a nice, a nice little scene. But what was a bit odd was... Is that Molly? I think it's Molly. No, it's um, Mallory. Mallory, Mallory. that's the one. So um, the reason, yeah, I think it was, it was interesting how they called her Mallory and then she named him. What was a bit weird, I thought, was how she just named her, uh, the, the girl, she named after... Uh, the mother Olympia even though a scene earlier on in the film Olymp- the character Olympia literally said I want to name her Cinderella so that she can be called Ella you'd think she'd expect the wishes of the mother wouldn't you but hey you know she wanted to she wanted to honour her by giving her the daughter's uh, the mother's name see but in actual reality this is the thing she hasn't learned anything because she's given her kids to this stranger that she's <laughs> she hasn't named the kid the proper name <laughs> Like, it's like, this is, this is the thing for me. And this is why, like, we talk about ratings. Like, up until that point, I was like, solid seven, six out of ten, right? Maybe, if I had to rate it. And then this happens with the blind um, sanctuary. And then her just like, all this character progression just, boom, out of the window. And I was like, I'm, I could turn to Helen. I was like, after the film, I was like, I'm done. Like, that, that sucked for me for, for that moment. That sucked because, you saw this these triumphant things, and then it was just completely wasted. And yeah. I was just like, oh, what? I think it could have ended a better way. I think it could have well, found a better way of ending it. I did some research into the director, and it, I mean, it is a little bit of a vague comparison, but what a lot of other film commentators have seen is that she were, her family uh, were displaced in Europe um, in the 1940s by Hitler because she's got Jewish origins, so they've been. Uh, moved around into different parts of the world and one of the things that her family instilled in her was um, uh, a, a thirst to triumph against evil but without losing um, sort of your dignity and your humanity and that's maybe a trait in some of her other mm. films where Things do have a slightly sweeter ending to it because you know they did they did come through it at the end at the end of it their, their family did survive and supposedly that is a trait of this director which maybe in this film's context maybe just kind of spoils it a little bit um, but um, yeah I think there could have been a slightly more interesting ending to it right okay so we're going to talk about what we actually thought of the film now so Aaron if you could just give us a quick summary of what you actually thought like did you enjoy it or did you not enjoy it yeah so I think um love to start for was really impactful with all the suicides and just it just the introduction to the rule then the house part came didn't enjoy that then it kept cutting between the house part thing then it got interesting when Gary was involved and then it got boring again then they broke the rule then they were on the boat and they had this moment and it was top then they had that big triumphant scene fighting the um, the entity. And then they got to the ending, and then the ending completely ruined it for me. So I, I think it, it's not it's not a bad... I need to stress that um, making a film um, 
is a difficult thing and it takes a lot of time and and Sandra Bullock and and, and especially the two children and, and, and everyone who was involved did a really really good job and it isn't this is just my opinion on it it just for me there's just too many things that just really I kept pulling up on and that's not you know a testament to anyone else just for me personally I just think it's a solid like five out of ten yes and I think if I watched it again I think I would give it a lower rating I just need to stop <laughs> And what are your thoughts? So, I think what's interesting about this film is when I first watched it, I didn't love it, but I thought it was okay. Um, and then there were some bits I really didn't like. It's towards the start of the film. I think it opens up okay, but again, the char- the dialogue at the start didn't really work for me. Um, even the very first scene at the start of the film where it's in the boat, uh, and on the river, or the, the, the going onto the boat, that was my favorite part. That that whole um, present day uh, storyline was my favorite part of the film. But even that felt, for some reason, it, it felt like almost like a TV movie. I don't know what it was. It just didn't feel very cinematic. It it, it felt really like it was lacking in some sort of vision, uh, and um, it just I didn't really I didn't particularly like the way it was shot. And then we went obviously went back to the house. Uh, the five with the five year flashback, and that was where it really went fell down for me. I I really disliked the characters. Didn't think the dialogue worked well at all. Even the dialogue between um Sandra Bullock and her sister at the start in the hospital just felt like they were trying to cram in too many one liners, and it just didn't really work for me. The characters at the start didn't like in the house. Um, I think as the movie went on. And we got less characters, and we didn't even talk about Machine Gun Kelly and the and, and his and his police girlfriend who just who just walked out randomly. So passable. The so passable. As I characters. get they it just took matter. they took the the car. I guess that was like their their point of the film. But I think that whole section really made me sour with the film. But then as it got more and more uh, kept going into the present day, and we saw we didn't talk about this scene, but Sandra Bullock uh, goes onto the land and she's. Uh, exploring for food mm. that whole scene the tension there was really good with the cutting back to the the children on the shore and the girl wanting to get up and look for her mum and that worked really well for me so I think basically when I first watched it I thought it was okay but I, there was a lot, lot of bits of it I didn't really like I had a lot of bad points and the more I thought about it and the more I thought about how A Quiet Place was filmed and how that was made and I looked into this the budgets were basically the same. I think this had a slightly bigger budget. But I think I, prefer, I much prefer that film. I think the simplicity of A Quiet Place works a lot better. A lot less characters to deal with. It's a lot more of a simple film for me, A Quiet Place. And this film is trying to do too much. So for me, I didn't particularly like it. I think the, the only the, the, the biggest plus, I think, in this film for me was Sandra Bullock. I think she... I don't think I've ever seen... I, I don't think I've ever seen a film where I didn't like Sandra Bullock. Yeah, she's tough. Usually she makes films watchable, and usually, usually she makes films you know really good. She's she's probably the best thing about this movie, I'd say. Miss Congeniality, yes, is amazing. Sorry. She basically carried the film for me. Yeah. So I would say again, generally it's an it's an okay film, but I wouldn't recommend it. I'd probably recommend A Quiet Place to anyone if it wants yeah, to watch something yeah. like this. I totally. Agree. I'm I'm slightly more positive about the film I think than you two guys. Like I well. The two films that I watched, really, like, I think that, you know, 
the the house stuff and stuff by the uh, when it's just uh, Sandra Bullock and the two kids in isolation. I think those those two parts are quite good, but the way that it's edited, sort of moving back and forth, I know it's a good way of moving the story forward through time. I think if there was an extended biopic version of this film where it just goes from start to end, I think it would have been a much better film. Just with like, um, yeah, that would be a three-hour version of it. I liked the baddies in it. They stuck with me. Like I was thinking about it the next day, the, the actual way that, uh, the enemies came came at you. I thought that was quite an interesting thing, but I think maybe just a whole retelling of, of that story might have been better, so I'd probably give it like a 6.5. <laughs> do, do you think it would have worked better as like a Netflix original series instead of a, instead of a, a film? So you get more time to see the characters develop? Because it seems like you liked, you seem to like both parts of the film, but they just didn't work together. No, I... I like films, like, I don't, the, the reason I like a film is because it's a single, you watch it and you've got a story, it's not a massive commitment for me. So, you know, if it, the difference between a two hour film and a three hour film, like, you, you sound so, so you just, you're just watching it. But I think if you, if you're going to be committed for like 10 hours, I think the story's going to really lose its way and it's going to drag on, there's potential for another yeah. series and it's, and it's just not, it's not going to be the true story that uh, that a, a film would be able to portray. I don't think. Um, so yeah, so we have a leaderboard that yeah. we would like to put this film on. Number one, that's it. So number one. You put it number one, Aaron. It's our number one film this I'm, year. I'm going to say it's number one as well because uh, at the moment it's the only film on our board. The number one film I've seen this year. So yeah, each time we review a film, we're gonna relate it against the other films that we've already reviewed. So as this is the only film that we've reviewed, it goes in at number one. Highest film, lowest film. It is what it is. Until next time. And as a listener, if you're ready for some arguments, the more films that go up in there, the more arguments we're going to have, I think. I feel like this section of the podcast is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger as the list goes on. I'm interested in seeing when we have to try and compare a film like Up (laughs) versus... Uh, a film like The Departed or something like yeah. how are we going to compare those films you're going to find out because we're going to have to do it in some way so I hope you enjoyed listening and we will be back next time with another film